Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. So today we're going to talk about fearlessly trusting the Father. And, you know, I said this in first service, but a lot of times when we think about fearlessly trusting God, we think, well, I gave my life to God. Of course I trust him. But the reality is when we walk um, with the Lord, every day we're choosing to fearlessly trust him. Every day it's another choice to choose him when sometimes we don't want to. Sometimes it's hard, right? And so when I first came to the Lord, I did not get saved inside of the church. I actually had someone give me um, a word at my public school, which is super awesome. So that's where I got saved. And then I uh, went to church, and the first church service I went to was at Christ for the Nations. And um, I, it was over Genesis 22. And it, like, rocked my world. If you don't know anything about Genesis 22, it is when God asks Abraham to give up Isaac. And Isaac was Abraham's son, but, and I'm sure there's lots of parents in the room. In first service, we had a lot of parents in first service because their babies were awake, so they were here. But um, if you are a parent, I'm sure that you hear this story and you think, there's, I just can't imagine giving up my kid, right? But Sarah and Abraham's story was a little bit different. They had waited years and years and years for this child, and then God asked them to give it up. And so in order for, I feel like, for us to fully grasp the intensity of Genesis 22, I think we need to know kind of the backstory of Abraham and Sarah. Okay? Is that all right? So today, I'm, I, I teach a little bit different than Pastor Josh. He's very fiery. I'm very... Uh, informative teaching. So my parents are both teachers, so that's just ingrained in me. So today we're going to talk through Genesis 22. Can we do that? Great. Yay. You don't have to talk back. I won't be offended. Um, So (laughs) I know Pastor Josh might, but I wouldn't be. Um, So when when Abraham and Sarah first introduced into the Bible, they're actually Abram and Sarai. And they are introduced when they're 80 and 90 years old and they have no children. Well, back in the times, in biblical times, you knew that you were blessed if you had children, right? And so they took be fruitful and multiply very seriously. And so like day one, you're married, you're having a baby. And so with Abraham and Sarah, they enter onto the scene and it doesn't say that Sarah is an old maid. So I believe she probably got married around like 15, 16, right? They tried for years and years and years. Now they're 80 years old. That's 65 years if you're not good at math. Um, They had been trying for this child, right? And finally, God tells them that they're going to have this promise fulfilled, right? They're going to have a son. And you have to imagine, and me, um, my husband and I have been trying to have a baby for a year and a half. And I just imagine the hurt, like, I know, sorry, don't, I don't imagine, I live it. I know what it feels like to feel rejected and feel like God doesn't hear you and feel forgotten and angry. And that alone is a walk of trust with the Father. They did this for 65 years. Like, I can't imagine. I can't imagine the things that they've had to walk out and talk through with the Lord, right? And so God comes, he's so faithful, and he comes to them and he tells them, you're going to have a kid. 
And Abraham believes immediately. Okay, if I say Abraham and not Abram when it's contextually, you know, the right time, just, just bear with me, okay? So we got you. Okay, thank you. So Abram, he tells him this, and he believes, which is insane. Boy, you are 90 years old. Sorry, you were not having a baby, right? Like, scientifically, not going to happen. But he believed the Lord. He knew that the Lord was faithful, and he said he, if he said he was going to do it, he was going to do it. And so he trusted God. And so... Then time goes on, and they don't have the baby right away. It takes years and years and years. And so then God has to reiterate his promise, and he actually gives them new names when he reiterates the promise. And their names become Abraham and Sarah. And then, God, I love this part of the story. God tells them exactly when they're going to have the kid by, which is like, God, could you please do that for me? You know what I mean? Like, I wish it would make trusting him so much easier, though, right? Um, But he wants us to choose him and trust him. And, um, so they get their baby and I think in my head, I'm very logical. So I think Sarah was at this point, 90 years old, right? My grandma, she's not, I'm not gonna tell you her age, but she's not 90 and she could, my husband knows she could not carry a baby. She can barely carry herself around the house. You know, she cannot have a child, but Sarah lives through a pregnancy, carrying a child, and having the child. And she gets to physically hold the representation of God's goodness in her life. You know what I mean? And I imagine myself many times, like, the day that Nate and I have our child, and getting to sit and hold our child, and it wrecks my life. Like, I think, just even imagining it, I'm like, God, you're so good. Like, I just can feel his faithfulness, even just imagining it. And Sarah and Abraham encountered it, right? They had it. They had the fulfillment of their promise. And that's in Genesis 21. And then Genesis 22 comes. And it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. And so they go on this journey, and um, it's a three-day journey. So for three days, they're walking through the desert, and they get to this mountain. And Abraham tells his two servants, you stay here. Isaac and I are going to go up the mountain. So they start to go up the mountain, and Isaac asks. I mean, he's like 10, 13 years old. I did research. I didn't just make this up. Okay. He's about 10, 13 years old. And like, can you imagine when you take your kids on a trip, like within five minutes, they're asking, where are we there yet? You know, what's happening? Three days. He didn't ask anything. And finally he asks his dad, where's the burnt offering? Like we're going up this mountain. Where's the burnt offering? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide. And Isaac took that and believed him and said, okay, here we go. Let's go. We're trucking on. So they get up there and they lay down the wood. And Abraham begins to bind up Isaac. And in, again, I'm logical. So I'm thinking like, Isaac, you are a very nimble child run. Like, what are you doing? You know, he could easily outrun Abraham. He couldn't, I mean, Abraham could not catch him, you know, like you could make a run for it, but he trusted that his father knew what was best for him. Right. And so he binds him up and then he willingly lays himself down on the altar. Like that part gets me. 
Abraham, he didn't have the strength. He's 110 years old, you know, like he didn't have the strength to pick him up and put him on the altar. Isaac had to choose that for himself. And he laid himself down. And as Abraham had his hand up about to kill Isaac, I know this is very morbid, it gets better. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you feared God because you have not withheld from me, your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide, and to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And I love this story, right? And I'm sure as I'm speaking it, you're like, wow, there's so many things we can take from this. And I love this story because it's so intricate. It's not just, like, when I first heard it, I remember thinking, like, I need to give up everything in my whole life, like, to surrender to the Lord. And that's true. But also, as I was really digging into it, I realized, yes, Abraham, he made this, like, he gave the offering of his son. And that's something that sometimes is required of us. And that requires trust. But then also, sometimes we have to lay down and allow ourselves to be the offering. And that takes a lot of trust, too. And if you don't know, this, um, this story is also a lot of times shown as a foretelling of Jesus' coming. And aren't we called to be like Jesus, right? Like, we are supposed to lay down our life every single day. And so, as I was reading through this, um, I have this awesome Bible um, and I can write out to the side of it. And so as I was studying this, I started writing out just in, like my first time through, just writing out the things that I, really stuck out to me. And when I re- began reading back, I was like, oh, these are all the things that it takes to trust the Lord. Whoa. Okay, cool. Thanks God for my, my sermon today. You know, so, um, I'm going to just talk about a few of these things. Um, they're super simple, but sometimes we need to be reminded, especially if we've been with the Lord for a while, we don't have that same fire that we had when we first came to him. Um, and so I just want to remind you, okay? So um, the first thing I realized when I was reading through Genesis 22 is that Abraham's ears were attentive to the Father, and that's what we need to do. We need to always have our ears attentive to the Father. And you see, at the very beginning, Abraham could have been so caught up with Isaac, his fulfilled promise, that he turned his ears off to the Lord because sometimes when we get what we want, we don't really listen to the Lord anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, well, now I have what I want. I don't really need to listen to you all the time now, right? And so I think a lot of times that just, it's not that we don't want him. It's not that we don't long for him. It's just we turn our ears off to his voice, right? And I also love that that wasn't the first time that Abraham's ears were attentive to the Father. Actually, when he was about to kill Isaac, imagine if he was so angry that God had required him to give up something he loved so much that his ears were turned off to the Father and missed a moment of God's goodness and grace in his life. And I look at like my own life, and there's probably tens of hundreds of times that I could have missed God's goodness if I was angry at him. If you don't know this about me, I was a competitive dancer for 12 years, um, and yeah, nope, not hip hop. Um, uh, and so that was like my life. Um, was that in school? I didn't really have a social life. That was my social life. And 
I had this like deep desire in me. I would have never told anyone, but I really wanted to be a dance teacher. And I didn't feel like I was good enough because my studio was like the best in the nation. And like, I mean, we're being realistic here. I was not number one on the dance team, but I was good. I just didn't think I was good enough. And so when I was 16, I already kind of told you guys, I got saved because somebody gave me a word of knowledge and they told me, I really feel like that the Lord wants you to teach little kids to dance and also he wants you to lead worship. And as soon as he said that, like my heart just like, like I knew, I didn't know what it was. Like I didn't know he was giving me a word of knowledge. I didn't know that that was Holy Spirit hitting my heart, but like it just, I just was like, oh God, like, whoa, you're so real now, you know? And so I started living for the Lord. And about a month in, I really felt the Lord telling me I needed to give up dance. And I remember being like, huh, I think you forgot that, that I'm supposed to be a dance teacher. So, um, you know, and so for me, it was a wrestle. Like, I don't know, God, this is really hard for me to give up. And so finally I did, I gave it up. And, um, I started, I really got connected into a small church in the area and, it was a very small church. So this is what makes the story even better. It's like 50 people. And one of the ladies who started coming actually had gone to school to be a dance teacher um, and was a competitive dance teacher for years and years and years, left, went back to school, and um, came to our church, and she wanted to start a dance ministry. And so I got to help her start this dance ministry. And I remember one day thinking, man, I could have totally missed this amazing opportunity if I would have just been angry at him or if I would have just been disobedient, you know? And so a lot of times we just need to keep our ears attentive to the Lord because realistically, if he's telling us to give something up, it's because he wants to be first in our heart again, right? And we just have to trust him. Again, every single thing, everything that we do with the Lord, it's, we have to trust him. Um, this relationship is trust, Right? So that's the first thing, that you have to have your ears attentive to the Father. The next is that you need to allow yourself to be a burnt offering. Now, in this story, I see so much of Abraham in our walk with the Lord and so much of Isaac. And so right now we're talking about we need to be like Isaac. You see, I was very intrigued when I saw a burnt offering because I don't know anything about a burnt offering, right? Um, I don't have to give burnt offerings anymore because Jesus came and Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for us. But as I was really looking into it, there's a difference between like giving a sacrifice. A sacrifice is something you have to give up and an offering is something you choose to give up. And so with us, we get to choose every single day to give our lives to the Lord every part of us, right? Every single day is a choice to surrender to him. And so I started looking because I was very interested. Again, I'm very logical. So I started doing my research. And um, if you don't know, this Genesis 22 um, is all done outside of the Mosaic law. So they're not under the law. They're not required to give burnt offerings. And so there's only one other time before the Mosaic law comes, that you were that a burnt offering was given, and it was with Noah when he got off of the ship, and the the land had dried up. The first thing he did was give a burnt offering, and the word says that it was a pleasing aroma to him. And I love it because it wasn't required in either situation. And we live outside the law; we're not required to give a burnt offering, right? But it's our joy to give ourselves to him. And when you would give a burnt offering, you obviously had to kill the flesh first. You can't just light an animal on fire, you know? So you got to kill it. 
Um, and that's the same with us. Like the first thing when we come to the Lord is denying ourselves, denying our flesh, right? And then the next thing is when a burnt offering was required, it had to be completely burnt up. That's part of the law. Nothing could be left. No flesh could be left. Same with us. Like we are to be completely burning for him. He is the all-consuming fire. And, and all we have to do is just lay down and say like, okay, help me, consume me. You know, like it's not that hard. All it does, all it is, is we just have to surrender, right? And I love what Romans twelve eleven says. It says that never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive, serve the Lord. I love that. It's so simple. Like all we have to do is keep the fire of our heart alive and, and surrendering to him is simple, right? And so I just love that Every time we get to surrender ourselves to the Lord, one of the things I wrote down is, I feel like every breath in from him is like a thank you from us. Like, that's why it was so pleasing to him, because it's us saying, like, thank you. I don't have to give myself up right now. Jesus did it, but thank you. Like, thank you for what you did for me. And I feel like it's the same with Abraham. He was so grateful that God had given him this fulfilled promise. It was so, it was almost not simple, but simple for him to give up Isaac because it was just a thank you to the Lord, right? Now, those are the first two. The, the next one is you have to be obedient when you're trusting the Father. This one's hard. Like, let's be real. Okay, hi, I'm Brooke and I have flesh. It's hard, okay? And what I love is that Abraham was obedient. When I first read this, like, Again, we're just being honest. I remember thinking like, oh, but God, it does not say immediately. It says early the next morning. Like Abraham had to think about it a little bit, you know? But realistically, in those times, if Abraham would have left with his small little son in the middle of the night, that would be very dangerous and unwise. So Abraham did obey. But you know, I had been told one time that delayed obedience is disobedience. And to me, that like hit me. And I was like, oh, well, I'm a very disobedient little girl then because I do not do things sometimes right away. But as I really started thinking about it, I think sometimes it's okay if you don't obey right away because we're flesh. Like in our fighting to choose to obey him, we're fighting to choose the spirit over our flesh. And I think that God honors that. You know, if you don't immediately obey him, it doesn't mean game over. You didn't obey you can still choose to walk in the, that obedience. And I love that Abraham is a picture of that. I don't know his heart. I don't know if it was hard for him. But what I do know is that the word says that God chose to test him. And my parents are teachers. And why would God test him if, he already, if, if Abraham didn't need to prove anything to him, right? And so I think it's so easy for us to let something become first place in our heart and not even realize it, you know? So obedience is important. The next is that it's so important for us to remember that God is worthy of our trust. And as a female, hi, I have had trust issues in my life, you know? And so when I got to know my husband, he had to prove to me that he was worthy of my trust. He wasn't going to hurt me. And you know, a lot of, a lot of times that comes with history with that person. You don't immediately just say, okay, yeah, this person's worthy of my trust. Let me give you all my trust. We would be very hurt people if that was the case. But the reality is God doesn't get angry in having to prove his, uh, his trustworthiness to us. He wants to. He wants to prove that he's trustworthy. 
And so I love that in Genesis 22, Abraham trusted um, God in giving up Isaac, but also Isaac trusted his father. And I think that the reason that they had trusted so much was because they had history with God. You know, Isaac... He wasn't ignorant. He knew that he was the fulfillment to this promise that his dad had gotten. And if he died, well, dad, where's the promise now? You know, he could have had that kind of mentality, but he had seen his dad be so faithful and he had seen God be faithful to his father to where it was simple to trust him. And so with us, when it's hard for us to obey, we have to remember that God is worthy of our trust. He has proven it time and time again. And if you're struggling with that, guess what? He'll want to prove it to you. He's not scared to prove it to you, right? And so I love that we can trust God. And that's honestly, I know that like, okay, Brooke, like you're talking about fearless trust. Of course we can trust him. But I just encourage you, if you're struggling with that, like ask him because he wants to show you that he's trustworthy. And then the last thing that I love, this is probably my favorite part of all of Genesis 22, is that when we're fearlessly trusting the Father, we need to allow room for God to speak his promises to us. Because the two times that a burnt offering was given outside of the law, both times they were immediately followed by God giving them a promise. And so with Noah, he gave the burnt offering and God gave the promise of never flooding the earth again. With with Abraham, he gave this he gave the burnt offering and God reiterated his promise and said, Now I know that you love me more, you know, and now your descendants will be more numerous than the stars in the sky and the sand of the sea. He reiterated the promise. And so with us, when we allow ourselves to fearlessly trust the Lord, we're opening ourselves up for him to speak his promises to us. And if you need a promise spoken in your life, just trust him. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so also when we're allowing ourselves to open up like that, we're, allow- we're saying, God, here, I lay myself down. I'm trusting you. Come be the king of my heart again. And I think a lot of times we think, well, I love Jesus so much, and I go to church, and, or I go to Bible college. I love him so much. But reality is, like, is he your everything? Is there something in your life that he'd ask you to give up right now that you wouldn't want to? okay, that might be something that you should probably give up. Um, and I also want to talk real quick about a lot of times we think that God isn't worthy of our trust because we don't see him moving in an area right now. Abraham waited 75 years for God to move in this one specific area. But reality is God lives and moves outside of time. Scripture says that a thousand years is like uh, one day to God. And he lives and moves outside of time. So if you're not seeing your promise fulfilled right now, it doesn't mean he's not trustworthy. It means that he's moving in ways that we literally cannot comprehend. He's always moving on our behalf. And so now we know that we should fearlessly trust the Father, right? So real quick, I'm going to talk about three things that we need to get out of our lives so that we can fearlessly trust the Father. So the first one is other idols. Okay, by definition, you're probably, like, when I first heard that, I was like, well, I don't go to a place and worship another god, you know? Like, I come to church and I worship you, Jesus, right? But by definition, an idol is an object of extreme devotion. So Anything that you worship above God, that's an idol. Um, So like Netflix, I know that's simple, but 
Netflix. <laughs> That's hard for me to give up sometimes, you know? It could be your spouse. It could be getting a, jo- a new job. It could be your money in your bank account. It could be, there's so many things that we could worship above God. For every person, it's different, but we need to check our heart. It's not, I feel like when we were in youth group, it was always a relationship, right? It's not always a relationship. There's so many things in this world that can take our attention and our devotion. And really like all God wants and asking us to trust him is our devotion. And I think Oh, let me real quick tell you this. First John 5.21 puts it real simple. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. I just wanted to put that in there because it's easy to remember and you can speak that over your life sometimes. So um, it's just so simple. Like, just don't do it. Don't do it. Um, I think we get so caught up in thinking that this thing in front of me, my husband, my job, my security in my bank account. These things are my idols. But a lot of times, your unfulfilled promises can become your idol. You're so caught up at looking at what God hasn't done in your life that you can miss him. And I wrote down right here, how can you look at your unfulfilled promise when the promise fulfilled Jesus is rocking, walking right there with you. Like every step of the way, you literally have the biggest promise ever fulfilled. How can your eyes be stuck on this one thing when he is our one thing, right? And so I think we get so caught up in thinking that, and thinking that something we've already gotten, like Abraham, or like Isaac, I'm sorry, like Isaac, the fulfilled promise can become an idol. But a lot of times what we don't have can become an idol and keep our eyes off of the Father. So that's the first thing, an idol. The second thing is your flesh, which we've talked about a lot. But I'm going to only read Luke 9.23. There's another one in the app, if you, another verse in the app if you want to read it. But This is Jesus' words, so I feel like it's pretty important. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me daily. This is our call as Christians. It's not just to surrender your life once and you're done. It is a daily walk with him, right? And yes, in Genesis 22, Abraham only had to prove himself once. But with us, like, every single day is a surrender with the Father. And... You see, once you allow yourself to lay on the altar and be consumed with God, obedience is so easy because your flesh is out of the way. A lot of times, keeping, what's keeping us from fulfilling what God longs for us is our flesh. Our flesh wants what's completely opposite of what the Spirit wants. And so a lot of times when God is asking you to give something up, an idol, the first thing, um, if God is asking you to give up something in your life and it's hard for you, A lot of times it's because your flesh wants that. And you just need to let your flesh die. And once that dies, then you realize like, okay, just kidding. All I want is you, God, right? You are worthy of every ounce of my devotion. So the first is, I I hear you're supposed to go back and repeat them. So I'm going to do that real quick. The first is an idol. The second is your flesh. (laughs) Sometimes I say things I'm thinking and I'm like, Brooke, don't say it. Oh, you already said it. Okay. I know, right? Yeah, definitely, Dr. Holler. Okay, third is fear. You need to get rid of fear. Um, And what I love, if you don't know much about Abraham, he actually moved in fear. Um, He, in Genesis 12, 12, I'm going to read you it, and then we'll talk about it. It says, as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. 
When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me. That really escalated quickly. Um, but we'll, but we'll let you live. Say you are his sis- Say you are my sister. Sorry, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. <clears throat> like I just read that, and I'm like, you are trying to cover up all kinds of fear right now, sir. Um, he was scared. He was worried that God wasn't going to move on his behalf. God had told him to go to these places, but he wasn't trusting that God would take care of him in these in in this situation. He thought that his wife was so beautiful that these people are going to kill him. Like again, our mind when we get into fear goes wacky. Um, and so he went from zero to a hundred real quick. And how many times do we do that? Like I do that a lot. And so I think it's so funny because this wasn't the only time he did this exact same thing. He also did it in Genesis 20. God had already proven his faithfulness to Abraham that he was going to protect him. He didn't have to lie. He didn't have to move in fear yet. He still did. And so I look at this and I think to myself, okay, well, how did Abraham move from being fearful to being a father of faith? Like he moved in faith. How did that happen? And I think it's like I already talked about it before, but it was history. He saw God's faithfulness. He saw God move in his life time and time again. And I think whenever he would get scared, he'd just be like, no, God did this one time before. He can do it again. And I want to encourage you, when you start to feel fear, fear, bleh, 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 feel fearful. That is hard, y'all. Try to say that. Hey, you didn't do even one, so that's right. Um, so uh, I'm not going to say it again. What I just said, when you begin to feel that way, um, I just encourage you to find someone in your life who the Lord has been faithful in that area. So like you need a healing, you need to talk to someone who's been healed because that's going to let faith rise up in you. If you need a crazy financial miracle, talk to someone who has had a crazy financial miracle because the reality is they have history with the Lord. And maybe I don't have history with the Lord in that area, but they do. And that will allow faith to rise up in you, right? And so I love what Psalm 56.3 says. It says, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. I love, love, love that I'm just pretty much like, here, I'm scared, give me trust. Like the, the exchange, when you're afraid, just choose trust, right? And he'll give it to you. It's not like you have to like pry it out of his hands. He will allow you to trust him. First John four eighteen says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. We've all probably heard that. But when we think of it in this context, when we lay ourselves down on the altar and we allow ourselves, even if we're scared, to surrender completely, when we lay ourselves down and we allow God to consume us, he is love. And so wherever love is, fear has to go. Like what we were singing earlier, fear has to go. It cannot stay here. And so if you are moving in fear, I just encourage you to lay yourself down on that altar because when you allow God to consume you and you are an offering to him, he's going to take that fear up in two seconds. And then it's so easy to trust him. Like, it's so, I, and I say this like I have all, you know, the knowledge. It's hard for me to trust him. But I have to remind myself, like, all I literally have to do is surrender. And at the moment you surrender, he can move on your behalf. Like, take your hands off the situation so he can move. I love that um, I wrote down, there can be no fear 
when you are completely consumed by love himself. And so today, real quick, we're going to um, say a little, we're not going to say a little prayer. That was not what I meant to say. We are going to pray real quick. But before we do, I want all of us um, to just kind of start thinking about something in your life that might be hindering you from fearlessly trusting the Father. And you don't have to tell anyone. Please don't tell anyone. You can just keep it to yourself, right? And um, we're going to pray for that to go because I feel like when we invite God into the room, fear has to go and, and trust is easy. 